I hope everyone, everyone's good. Everyone's good. Everyone's good. 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 About three of you. I said, is everyone good? Come on. Give me some. It's lonely up here. But um, hey, look, just before I, I start the, the, the message, I, I do want to give a, um, just make you aware that this morning I'm going to be speaking about some sensitive things. And so I need to give a bit of a parental advisory, I guess, because we're going to be talking about some adult uh, theme stuff. I also w- want to make us aware that as I'm speaking about these uh, things is that, um, again, just knowing that there, there may be families a- a- affected by the subject matter that I'm going to be discussing today or talking about. Uh, today. And so I want to be sensitive to that, and I want us all to be sensitive uh, to that in terms of our com- comments and things like that. And I, 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 I guess this, this service may end up on Online, and we need to be conscious uh, of that and responsible of uh, that because the content that we're going to talk about today um, can evoke all kinds of emotions, and I want to be very sensitive uh, to that. But uh, just, just, just making you uh, not to freak out. They're like, "What's he gonna? What's he gonna do?" But I, I, I'm just saying, I just want you to be aware of that and conscious of that. Someone sent me this, which I'm going to read out in a, a few weeks ago. I can't remember who, who it was, but they sent me this, this thing that said, qualities that people expect from perfect pastors. Qualities that people expect from perfect pastors. They preach for exactly 15 minutes. I'm no longer perfect. They preach, it actually did say 12. I changed it to 15 to make me feel better. They preach for exactly 15 minutes. They are 28 years of age, but have been preaching for 35 years. They work from 8 a.m. until midnight every day. They're also the caretaker. They frequently condemn sin, but never upset anyone. They wear good clothes, buy good books, drive a good car, give generously to the poor, and have a low salary. They make 15 daily calls to parish families, visit the housebound and the hospitalized, spend all their time evangelizing the unchurched, and are always in the office when they're needed. And they are also very good looking. That part is true. Oh, okay, this, I'm sorry. The last service did far better on affirming that in me. You know, when I hear that, you know, to be honest, as funny as it is, to be honest, the pastor's life can sometimes feel a bit like this. You, you, you don't always know what the expectations of the people are, and it can be mentally challenging to try and figure out what those expectations are. I remember seeing a cartoon years ago, and I've mentioned this before at some stage, but it was in a leadership magazine, and the cartoon had two frames, and the first frame was the, the, the pastor sitting at his desk working on a sermon, and a bubble peer, appeared above him, what he was thinking. He's like, I really should be out visiting. I really should be out visiting. I really should be out visiting. And then the next frame in the cartoon was he was having a cup of tea with a dear old lady in the church, and the bubble above his head was like, I really should be doing my sermon. I really should be doing my sermon. And again, that's the tension we sometimes feel as pastors. And I just want to say, if I'm honest today, as a pastor, I don't always know what to do. As a pastor, 
I don't always know what to say. As a pastor, I don't always know what to do. I don't always know what to say. As a pastor, I, I don't want to upset people. I mean, who does, right? Who does? Maybe that's why the devotional writer A.W. Tozer said rather humorously, I cannot recall in my reading of Scripture a single instance of a prophet who applied for the job. And the reason that is is because those who gave the message were often murdered. (laughs) What they preached was not popular. I embrace the beautiful words of the Apostle Paul. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11, he said, make it your ambition. Another version says your goal. Another version says, strive earnestly. Make it your ambition, your goal. Strive earnestly to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. Another version says you should take care of your own affairs. I read that and goes, that sounds like fine advice to me. Just keep your head down. Mind your own business. The problem is, though, that I've found in life, every now and then you reach a point where you go, I can't be quiet anymore. I just can't do that. I've got to say something. Because I understand, of course, that silence is golden, but sometimes it's just yellow. And sometimes you've got to speak and say things. As a pastor, I'm very aware that I have a platform, a voice, and sometimes my, my silence could perhaps be interpreted as acceptance of a thing. But sometimes you reach a point where you go, I just can't remain quiet. Last Sunday afternoon, I reached such a point. I read a post, it appeared in the Instagram feed, it said this, having a period isn't just a feminine thing. People of all genders can experience periods. Now, I've seen posts like this before, as I'm sure many of you have. It's almost, in fact, a daily occurrence on social media. But I want to say this, it was not so much what was said, but rather who said it that interested me. This was posted by the government, and in particular, the Ministry of Education. And so it deeply concerned me that those tasked with the authority and responsibility for educating and teaching our nation's future generations, our nation's tamariki, my mokopuna, my mokos, my grandchildren, seem set on promoting and pushing an ideology over biology. Now, as a pastor, a dad, a father, a grandchildren, a five, soon to be six, I I can't ignore this. Especially when it involves our most vulnerable. 
our children, our tamariki. The post went on to say, avoid, be conscious of using words, women or girls, exclusively when discussing periods. Instead say, people who menstruate, people who have periods or menstruators. I mean, you couldn't comment on the post. The ability to do so had been, been removed. I, I don't know if this post bothers you or not, but I, I, I'm just going to say it. Men can't have periods, period. I can't even believe that this is controversial that I get nervous about even saying this on stage. This can't and shouldn't be controversial. Men don't and can't have periods. Biological men do not menstruate. This is basic biology. Has been since forever. For most of human history up until about five minutes ago. And I want to say this. I am not wanting or wishing to be disrespectful to anyone. I am aware that there may be people in this room listening to this who have family members who struggle with gender dysphoria or struggle with their identity. So I am no, in no way wishing to be disrespectful to anyone, nor am I trying to make light of this. I get that there are those who identify themselves as trans men and they have periods, they bleed, as they say, but they do so because they are biological females who overlap. Now, I don't pretend, as I've said, to understand all the issues around gender dysphoria, around Identity, identity, and I do not like it. I want to say that again. I do not wish to make light of it. But at the same time, I'm finding with every passing day, ever increasing pressure, pressure being placed on everyday people, whether it be from government or the entertainment industry or social media, and yes, even sport, to embrace, affirm, and accept what is radical gender ideology? Which that post from the Ministry of Education seems determined to expound. To freely push back, reject, question, or even challenge such ideas is labeled as intolerant, even hateful. Shaming those who would otherwise constructively engage in the conversation. Sadly, people no longer feel free to disagree, to dialogue or debate. I'm sure not everyone who is employed in the Ministry of sorry, Education agrees with their employer's status on this. And uh, in fact, I would venture to say many do not. I've talked to some of them. They say they just can't go there. They just can't go there to do, to, to do so. 
is like following point one of a very short manual titled How to End Your Career in One Easy Step. A headline that caught my attention this week that sort of bears this out was titled Shocking Number of Academics Afraid of Raising Differing Perspective Due to Cancel Culture. It said a survey on academic freedom taken across eight universities in New Zealand has revealed some alarming results. More than not, the academics surveyed felt constrained rather than free to raise their differing opinions. In other words, many academics in Aotearoa don't feel free to discuss or debate contentious issues. And I get it. I understand it. They want to keep their job. They've got to pay their mortgage. They've got to feed their kids. But here's the thing, that's just academics. Truth be told, truth is, really this reflects how many of us feel. How many people feel today? I mean, who wants to be fired? Who wants to be canceled? Who wants to be ridiculed or called a bigot? It's just easier to toe the line, bow down and shut up, rather than stand out and speak up. Which in turn, all that does is allow the, this radical ideology to march on unhindered and unchallenged. And so we find ourselves living in a world with pregnant men emojis and men giving birth, with tampons in the men's bathroom, a world with biological men breaking long-held records, competing and winning in women's sports, where traditional marriage between a man and a woman is somehow mean and wrong, a world where a biological male is nominated for women of the year. Do men make better women? Where very intelligent people are unable or rather unwilling to define or say what a woman is. And the said post from our government's Ministry of Education and thousands like it daily adding to the gender agenda push with comments turned off, letting everyone know how it thinks, or rather, how you should think. People of all genders can have periods. Where will it stop? I don't know. A week or so ago, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary changed the definition of female, adding having a gender identity that is opposite of male. For me, I'm just sticking with Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What about love, pastor? What about love? I said and I think the word love has lost its meaning. Yes, the scriptures do declare in 1 John 4 verse 17 that God is love. 
The scriptures do say God is love more than once, but the scriptures also tell us that God is holy. In fact, the same John who wrote God is love went on to write in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, he gives us a warning, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. But I think for many today, even within churches, the word love has lost its meaning. Love is just a new word for tolerance. In fact, it goes further. Love's a modern definition, it seems, or at least it seems to me, has come to mean more than just to tolerate something. No, one must accept anything and everything, no matter what. No longer can one just tolerate something. No, you are required, expected to not just accept it, but in this modern new definition of love, you must affirm, support, embrace, and even celebrate it. And if you don't, then you are labeled the opposite of love, hate. In which case, it's okay to cancel you, ridicule you, shame you, destroy your life. Which on the face of it doesn't seem very loving. It sort of goes like this, and I've used this before, but it's a great way to illustrate the point of our current state in society. I want to do X says the person. You're free to do it. But you think X is wrong. Yes. Because you want to control me. No, you're free to do whatever you want. But you think X is wrong. Yes, but only because I want what's best for you. But I want to do X. You're free to do it. But I want you to say that X is good. I can't say that. Why are you such a hateful, intolerant bigot? And who wants to be that person? No one wants to be thought of like that. So people stay quiet. They cower and say nothing. And this is how the intolerant tolerant shut down any differing or opposing worldview. My friends, this is not a recipe for a true truly free and inclusive society. How is it inclusive? Where is the diversity? If everybody is forced to publicly support a particular point of view and zero dissent is permitted, that is not inclusion. That is fanaticism. Parents, what future do you want for your kids? What future do you want for your tamariki? You can't stay silent. Parents today, I hope you hear my heart. 
We send our little tamariki to school to get educated, not indoctrinated. To learn to read and to write and to do maths. What's been taught at your child's school? What's been taught at your child's college? The Ministry of Education, in a way, has made it kind of clear there is a gender agenda. Parents, will you bow down or will you speak up? As parents, we have a biblical responsibility, a call to teach our children God's word. And I challenge you today, parents, not to abdicate it, but to take it seriously. We're told to train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And even if he does, you've done your part. Hear my heart, parents. But I need to say this. If you think that sending your child to kids' church for an hour on Sunday, and that's just if you're on time, if you think that that is somehow going to be enough to counter the ideological onslaught that your child is going to face day in and day out, week in and week out in their school and on social media, I, I've just got to say, think again. Parents, teach your kids. Because if you don't, they will. In your home, let God's word, your voice, and how you live be the biggest influence in your child's life. I know it's hard. I know it's not easy. I know, I mean, we've brought up three, three kids. I, I, I know it's not easy. The other day, this week, I wound up our curtains. As you know, Gia and Jeremy lives next to, to us, and I wound up the curtains, and I could see them all sitting as they do pretty much every morning around the breakfast table eating and having fellowship together. And I was like, that's, that's a beautiful sight. And I thought, I'll just pop over and just say hello. And as I did, and as I opened the door, the screams were incredibly <laughs> loud. Rosie had meantime had gone off and was spinning around on the floor screaming because Jared, I don't know, denied her a biscuit or a drink or something that she wanted. There was rices all over the floor and the noise was just incredible. <laughs> I said goodbye and shut the door and went, <laughs> went home. And they might have been thinking, what use is this trying to do it? Friends, never underestimate the power of the table and gathering around with your children and speaking truth with all the mess and all the stuff. Yeah, Don't underestimate it, parents. Because it makes a difference. taking time to talk and teach truth around the table is invaluable. And I want to say too, if you're a single dad here today, if you're a single mom here today, don't think your voice or how can I influence, don't underestimate the power of your influence. If you're a grandparent today, don't underestimate the power of your influence, the power of your words. The great evangelist John Wesley, who preached all over England, he said this. 
He said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians of England. As someone said, the best time to tackle a minor problem is before they grow up. Archbishop William Temple said this, the most influential of all educational factors is the conversation in a child's home. Parents, grandparents, mums, dads, don't underestimate your influence. We have a responsibility. I felt that even last week in this very place. Uh, during worship, I was singing away with my eyes closed and I could feel something pressing on my knees. I was like, is that the Holy Ghost? No. I opened my eyes and it was little Rosie, my granddaughter. And she was sitting and, and I was sitting, standing there, pushing on my knees, looking up, grabbing hold and looking with her big eyes to her papa. And I don't know, I hadn't seen that post at that stage, but something about that moment was just like, you have a responsibility to protect and care. She's looking at me like, will you look after me, Papa? Will you take care of me, Papa? Will you pick me up? Will you watch over me? Will you keep me safe? I'm counting on your Papa. And a great sense of responsibility swept across me. See, she's growing up in a very different world. Like any papa would want to do, I, I, I want to do my best to help give her the best chance to do well. That's what love does. As a pastor, I don't want to upset people. Even preparing this message, I was like, God, have you got another message? Something nice. I'm not called to please or appease. So pastor, I don't wanna upset people. Who does? Of course, like you, I'd rather, much rather lead a quiet life and mind my own business. But I wanna tell you, it's getting harder and harder to do that. Where are the Daniels? Where are the Shadrachs, the Meshachs, and Abednegoes? Who will stand and not bow down? Who will say that the Lord will save us and even if he does not, we're gonna declare this anyway. Lord, would you grant us boldness? Parents, would, would the Lord grant you boldness to speak his word, to not bow down, to not shrink back? Don't be afraid of teaching your children or telling them this is the way, walk ye in it. Don't be afraid of saying this is wrong and that is right. Lead your homes. Lead your families. 
Be strong. Be bold. Don't leave it to anybody else. Would you stand? Would you bow your head? Lord, we thank you today for every parent in this place. For every mom and dad, for every single mom, single dad. For every grandparent. Father, we have a duty of care to look after the future generations. To lay a foundation in your word. God, grant thy servants boldness to not fall back or be afraid. Help us to be strong and courageous. Help us to speak where we need to speak. To declare where we need to declare. To rebuke where we need to rebuke. Help us, we pray. As we deal with our schools, as we deal with our workplace, wherever it is, Grant thy servants boldness to be the light. To not love the world, but to love you more. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Go, be bold. Make a difference. If you need prayer for anything, there's a prayer station over here with people ready to pray with and for you. God bless you. I pray that's helped you today and, and given courage today. In Jesus' name, God bless. Have a great week.